listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. Conspiracy. Have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Either you are with us, or you are with the terrorists. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Podcasting to you from the center of the center of Oklahoma, where I have lost one basketball game as a coach today, and I have another one at four o'clock. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And uh, joining me today is not Andrew Hoffman. We actually have uh, Tyler Tote, who is a special guest this week. We are going to do a quick interview with him. Uh, Tyler Tote, if you don't know him, is uh, he's got about 100,000 followers on Twitter. He's uh, kind of a men's health encourager. Uh, I've been talking about being in his men's group. Uh, I think I talked about it on the last show. And uh, yeah, I wanted to invite you to the show, Tyler. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it, Tim. It's an honor to be here, brother. I love you to death, man. I think you're such a champion, such a great guy. I think we align on so many things, man. And it's uh, so power of the internet and social media, man. You can use it now to, you know, you're one of my best buddies in life now. And it's like, you're in the center of Oklahoma. I'm, I'm in, you know, the center of Nevada. And so it's like, uh, we can just connect, man. And it's, it's cool to me to have that gift, man. That's a hundred percent. I agree with that a hundred percent. And that's actually one of the things I wanted to get into. One of the, it's like the first thing I wanted to get into, which was one of the things that's been interesting about the internet is being able to see all of the craziness that's going on in the world. Everybody's waking up. Oh, what's going on over here? What's going on here? There's Epstein this and this conspiracy here and this conspiracy here. And everybody's kind of, it's all negative, right? Everybody's freaking out. But I've been really kind of encouraged by you over this last year and just really kind of thinking in these last few months, like, you know, there is a lot of that negative stuff going on and people are more aware of it, but there's still a lot of kingdom stuff going on. There's still a lot of good stuff going on. And maybe I should spend just as much time focusing on that stuff as I have been on for years and years of this podcast, focusing on the negative stuff. Bro, it's it's easy to go down those rabbit holes, man. I mean, I've I've done a million of them. We've had a lot of jokes and laughs about a lot of these things too, but I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I use social media up until a little over three years ago, basically to go read comments on stuff and argue about Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell. Like, you know, this is what I was, you know, waking up every day doing this stuff, right? Like most people do. And I don't, I don't really know why, but somewhere in there, I just felt this little tug like, hey, man, you know, this is a pretty dark place. And you hear people say this all the time, right? Like, 
well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. We've never been more divided. Like all these conspiracy theories out there, you know, it's a dark place. Right. And I was like, well, then why don't we do so? Why don't I do something about it? You know, why don't I, I'm just one guy, right? What can you do? But I'm like, I think I can go out there and just be this force of positivity, this force of kind of like, let's, let's tell people to, to just join in on this positivity kind of movement and talk about these other things. Right. We, I mean, if, if you believe like I believe and you believe, man, the victory's already run one, right? So it's kind of like, yeah, there might be these terrible things happening, but at the end of the day, we know who wins. So I don't want to always be focusing on all those negative things. And I made a real intentional shift about three and a half years ago, man, to just, I'm going to be the light in these dark places, right? And encourage and build up and give life to people. And it's been pretty rewarding, man. It turns out people are kind of craving something like that, right? Absolutely. And I think you fa- I found you at a time in my life, which was super important to find something like that. But, you know, I do think uh, it- it's funny, this podcast originally started, Andrew and I were just going to look at news things that people were, you know, 2011, 2012, Barack Obama was in office, it's a whole different time. But people were kind of freaking out over this or that. I remember one of the silly things back then was like, Barack Obama is the Antichrist, you know, just like weird stuff like that. Yeah, it's so we'd get on here and be like, hey, look, it's the first off, it doesn't make sense biblically. Second off, you know, this is what's going on, and just kind of made light of it. And just that's kind of how we deconstructed things. And that was like the kind of mission of the podcast for years. But when 2020 hit, it's a whole new ball game because they really figured out a kind of a way to divide everybody in half, get people fighting with each other. And it got a lot more serious. One thing I wanted to talk about was I'm going to throw I have my notes here, but I don't even know if I'm going to stick to them. Um, one thing I want to talk about was so we've been doing the podcast since like 2011. We've been awake to this stuff, me and him, probably since like 2008 Epstein stuff and just all the weird stuff. And you kind of got into fitness and stuff and then found through Zuby kind of discovered all this other conspiracy stuff. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much, man. I mean, I'll be honest, my mind was starting to wake up. You mentioned like Obama and stuff, right? And I, and I remember there was a couple big issues around my life personally when he was president. And he was like the first guy I ever voted for, man. I never paid attention. And uh, and I, I believe the hope and change kind of, right. you know, yeah, yeah. First time I was like all on board with it. And then a couple things happened where I heard, okay, this guy loves poker. And I was a professional online poker player. Well, during his presidency, it got banned where you couldn't even play online poker. And, and we were the only country in the world that we didn't have the freedom to play online. So my, so it's kind of like, well, that doesn't make sense. And then also I'd, I'd watch some of the news, man, like, and they'd be like, you know, he's going to take away your guns. Right? right. Like, and all, and then it's like, he never took away one gun. And then when no. the next president came in, who was it? Trump. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, dude, it just erupted with like all these things. I mean, Right. I mean, we get into that. It's so wild, though. Right. But most 99 percent of the stuff that these people were freaking out about, I realized one had no bearing on my life. And yes. if, it, if it did, I couldn't affect it anyway. So why am I putting like all my best energy into that? And I kind of really just decided, yeah, maybe there is a lot of crazy stuff going out there, man. But again, it's my choice if I want to be a good dad and a husband and kind of yeah. take care of what matters. And how do I really think I'm going to change the world? To me, it's just by choosing to be positive, by choosing to encourage, by choosing to be a great dad, a great husband, all those things, right? So I couldn't really control it. But yeah, I I mean, I think it got a little more serious. They upped the ante in 2020. Uh, I think you and I probably believe very similar. I think it was sort of a compliance ladder, right? Sure. Let's just see if we can get them to stay inside for a couple of weeks. Okay, we got that. Let's see if we can get them to uh, you know wear masks all the time, even outdoors. Let's see if we can get them to not work out outside 
alone. I mean, I, I do. I got the police called on That's me right. times for doing pull-ups alone outside in a park, you know, like <laughs> one time the cop showed up and just laughed. I mean, he's like, I, I don't know who these people are, man. This is wild. But like, I was videotaped, uh, yeah. saying they were going to follow me home. They were going to like call my employer. I mean, it's just so wild that they got half the population to like yeah. buy into a lot of this nonsense. Right. And, and again, it's not that COVID's not real. It's not that it's not, it's, it's sure. just that, you know, doing pull-ups alone in your park is not endangering anybody, right? And yeah. as this kind of compliance ladder went up, then I, I became more aware of, okay, you know, I can't just turn a blind eye. Uh, I think that does more damage. So then I became pretty, a lot more vocal about, look, I'm not going to wear a mask, right? <laughs> like, I'm just, once I, I hung out with Zuby, I, I love this guy to death. And, you know, when you see emails from Dr. Fauci saying, hey, this doesn't even work, right? Like, yeah. well, I would go to my gym and, and the gym guy would say, hey, man, you have to have a mask on. And I'd say, do you believe that that works? And he'd say no. And I'd say, then why do you have it on? He's like, well, they just tell us to. And I'm like, if I don't believe it, you don't believe it. No one here believes it. Why are we doing it? It doesn't because, make sense. you know. Because the gym is scared that they're going to get closed. I mean, it was all, you know, it was all there was all some level of uh, going up. So, yeah. So I don't uh, know. Man. That's where I started to take more of a stand against that stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but so what led you in the beginning? So before you kind of woke up to that stuff and hung out with Zuby, what led you to take charge of your physical, mental and spiritual health? Man, one day, bro, uh, it was I was 34 and a half and I was working a job I didn't really love, man. I was a bank manager and yeah, I worked like six days a week. Wasn't home as much, and I hadn't worked out in about two years. And my wife snapped a picture of me, and I had a dad gut. <laughs> and I'd spent that whole day on the couch watching football, like ten hours. I ate an entire bag of chips, ordered pizza, just like a miserable day, right? And I was complaining to my wife all day about, like, man, this is my one day. She kept inviting me out to play with with our daughter, and I kept saying, like, nah, it's basically like, woe is me, right? Like, I've worked, I've worked hard. I deserve this day. Like, leave me alone. You know, I want to watch football. And at the end of the night, she snapped that picture and sent it to me and then just came in and said something to the effect of like, hey, Ty, I love you a lot. And just know that you're never stuck. Like if you're not happy with where you're at in your life, like I'll help you get to wherever we want to go. I'm not your enemy. Like I love you, you know, and bro, some rose up in me like I like she walked out of the room. and I started crying like I, I literally teared up and I thought, man, every day I'm like snoozing, consuming news not working out, eating crap at the office, coming home and complaining about my day to my wife. Like we didn't have a very good marriage at the time because all I did was complain about all my stuff. Right. And, and I just decided that's it. I'm taking, I, I'm not being who I need to be. So I wrote a bunch of rules for myself that night, man. I cried probably two hours and I got a notebook and I said, okay, every day at five Oh five, I'm gonna wake up and hit the gym. I'm going to change my diet and I'm going to meal prep and eat a healthy lunch every day. I'm going to write down a few things I'm grateful for at the beginning of each day. I'm going to open my Bible again and not just watch Netflix and 30 hours of sports every week, right? I started to change my friend circle. And instead of going to the bars two, three nights a week, man, I, I had friends meet me for walks or tennis or do more active things, right? And so just to start to change my life, uh, really, because I just at 34, man, I kind of saw my wife, my life going one of two ways. I'm either going to be this like, middle-aged guy that's just existing and complaining and always saying it's everybody else's fault, or I'm going to take control of my life and, and get to where I want to go. Uh, it's not always easy. You know, it's not easy to get up at 5.05 every day, man, that's for sure. But 
I think life's going to be hard either way. And so I just kind of chose to take take control of it and make it hard in the way this is that I want to make it hard. <laughs> it certainly isn't easy for somebody who has two two-year-old boys either. Are they're they both one? Bro, they're two now. They're yeah. so wild, man. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is and, so fun, man. Yeah. Two two-year-old boys. <laughs> and when when did that that's a whole nother part of you that's kind of awe-inspiring is that you guys did uh kind of fostering and adoption stuff and you can feel free to talk about as much or a little about that as you want to but when when did that kind of fall in on your timeline so so yeah so i got in this self-improvement journey and then maybe two years into that we moved from illinois to las vegas uh anderson nevada where we're at now and my wife like our second week here just said like hey i feel really called uh to do like foster care and just like the best way i think we can change the world the world is to take and help kids. There's the most vulnerable, right? So being a great man that I am, I told her, nah, I'm too busy. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm building my own business. I'm like, I don't think I have time for that. But then I was at church the next week and I felt this little tug, man. And I said, okay, I, I remember sitting her down saying, let me pray about this a couple of days. And I started researching it. And I found out nine out of 10 kids that age out of foster care end up incarcerated, mm. uh, end up incarcerated or homeless or both. And so I thought, man, she's really onto something here. There's 685 kids currently in foster care. I said, all right, let's do it. Let's sign up. So we did. Uh, we took on seven kids over the last like two and a half years. We reunited five of them back home. And I'm really proud to say, you know, on some of those, we helped the families even financially get jobs. Like we, we really helped be able to like kind of turn those trajectories around. And then our two boys who are so wild, man, I love, you know, the we got them when they were four months old, both. And uh, we ended up adopting them last year uh, as nobody stepped up. Uh, they didn't have any family or anything like that. And so we said, yeah, we'll happily uh, raise them. So we've been, we've been raising them for a year and a half now, man. And they are, they're all boy, man. That's a, we just got back from the park. That's what we do every day is hit the park every morning and then let them get all their energy out, man. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You are a, a good example in that you're just, you're actually kind of living out what what the Lord said, you know, to the least of these you're doing unto me and uh, you're helping out people who who have nobody to help them. And that's uh, something that I think we can, you know, we can all learn from and, and try to implement in our day-to-day lives. That's uh, it's very inspiring, man. I appreciate it, brother. I think, you know, any, any dad or anybody listening to this can just like wherever they're at, man, they can be a leader. They can be a you can just decide right now, like, I'm not going to be the guy that complains at the office. I'm going to give life, right? I'm not going to be the dad that comes home and brings my family's energy down, complaining about my right. day. I'm going to build up, right? And yeah. I think, you you know, you don't, it's like, I used to think I'd change the world by convincing people to vote a certain way, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of people think that. Yeah, man. Yeah, but, but to me, really, what I see is, is just like this hands-on approach of every day, choosing joy, choosing positivity, choosing to just, you know, I have people ask me all the time, well, what's different about you? And then that's when I get to say, well, bro, I, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, I got right. something happening inside me, right? <laughs> so I think if we if we really want to change the world, that's what we do. We live these on fire lives, man, where people look at us and they say, there is a lot of negative. Dude, we just went through this crazy global pandemic where people are trying to push these agendas on all the, I don't deny any of this crazy stuff is happening, yeah, right? sure. but how can I be happy and positive and joyful in the midst of it? I got something deeper, a peace inside me that, you know what, man, if, if we get nuked by Russia tomorrow, I know where I'm going, you know? Uh, and so I'm just trying to get other people to hop on board with me, right? That's kind of my mission now. Yeah. That was one of the things we talked about last week in the men's group was just, uh, you know, the battle's already won. We don't have to, we don't have to keep trying to win it. So, <laughs> That's right. so one thing that was, uh, kind of struck me when you're just talking about that, it's one of the questions I wrote out here 
is in a way you're trying to get everybody to vote a certain way. And I remember a time period where I did that, but then even like the conspiracy way is like, okay, if I can just get everybody to wake up to voting isn't working and that to believe the right conspiracies, then, then they would figure out and then I could explain to them and then we could figure out how to fix everything. And that's not it either. Um, but one of the things that stuck out to me that, which is a huge problem and that permeates absolutely everything. And I was just kind of thinking about this before I wrote this out, which was, Dad bods, dad bods, pornography, absenteeism, watching sports, you know, like habitually and lack of leading of the family are all stereotypes that are projected through propaganda about the American male. Mm -hmm. And how is the propaganda leading this behavior and what can we do to combat it? Because I think that that is it's it's actually if you think about it, it's way more insidious and evil to to put that out there than it is to say hey, let's not argue about politics on Twitter. Like they kind of want us to argue about politics on Twitter or Facebook. That's what they want. But when it's, this is like the subtle stuff, right? Like women, it's not, you know, if you're a feminist, you need to go to to go to work. You need to work a job. You need to work 40 hours. You got to be a mom too, but you also have to work 40 hours and then you have to look good, but you have to be a mom too. And you have to be, and like, they get like this, like straight down the middle. You have to be both and they don't have enough time in the day. So they're conflicted. And then all we get through messaging is that men are, you know, kind of low testosterone, won't lead the family, overweight. And anyway, so how do you think that, I guess, has affected us in uh, what kind of ways are you seeing that you have been successful in helping people to realize that? Yeah, man, that's a great, great point. And I, I just did a lot of research on this. It's good timing, man. So uh, if you look at around the world globally, I believe it's 6% of kids will grow up without a father in the home, maybe 7%. Okay. I think in China, it's like 3%. Uh, do you know what, do you want do you know, know what it is in the U S man? Bro, it's like 40, 50. It's, it's like 24 to 26%. Oh, so we're, we're like, you know, way, way above the national average. And, I, and when I look back, this is going to sound very conspiratorial, but I think this no. was, this was very in, intentional, right? You look at a lot of the TV shows from 15, 20 years ago when they, they they start to think about this toxic masculinity and they start to tear this down, right? And so all the TV shows, man, King of Queens, you, you go back yeah. and look, the, the husband is always the doormat. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the only person we can really make fun of in culture now is the, is the straight white male, right? Yeah. Like the dad. We can still... We can tear him to shreds, man. You don't you dare talk about any of these other class, these other people, right? But the straight white dad, yeah, man, let's just make fun of him all day, right? And so, you know, the Homer Simpson, that this is this is what they project onto us, right? The dad's worthless. Uh, the dad's kind of just like an ATM. Go go do your job, and he's he's goofy, he's dumb, he can't he, he doesn't need to know what's going on in the family. The wife runs the show. Happy wife, happy life, right? All this stuff, right? And so. I look at the moral kind of decay of society, every statistic across the board, man, every single one, fatherlessness, every single one, man, not present dads. If you want to look at at homelessness, runaways, grades in school, behavioral issues, mental illness, every single statistic across the board, man, goes back to fatherlessness. Then you look at there's policies that actually encourage yes. fatherlessness, which is so wild, man. That's they where incentivize after- yeah. single single parents, right? And so, man, you know, when you kind of couple all that together and you say that to me, that's the biggest problem in our society right now. If we have locked in on fire homes with moms and dads who love each other and teach their kids, you know, there's a lot of propaganda in school, man. I, I have a daughter in second grade, right? They're already 
bro, she was getting extra candy for keeping her mask on all day last year. You know, like it's this stuff starts very early. They teach you, you know, if play by the rules, fit in their little their little box. Right. But I think how do we combat that? It's by having on fire locked in homes and great relationships with, you know, our spouses and our kids. And then we can really combat that. But I think they know they <laughs> sure we don't have that family unit, man. We're all alone. Right. Yeah. And the average kid nowadays spends 44 hours a week on screens. Well, oh, dude, there's God. so much messaging in those in those, you, you know, in the <laughs> algorithms, dude, you know, who's writing these algorithms. Right. So 44 hours a week that's getting pumped into them. Then they're at school. They're getting some messaging there. That that same kid average will spend less than 30 minutes a week with a male figure, with a strong male figure, whether that be a dad, a grandfather, a coach, a mentor, less than 30 minutes. So, you know, when they talk about this toxic masculinity, man, really the, the biggest problem I see in our culture is a lack of masculinity. We don't, we don't have strong men leading, man. We don't since a couple generations ago, uh, you know, we, where we had men that said, I'll go die for my country without thinking about it. I mean, now, man, you got a 99.99997% chance of survival. Give me the shit. Give me, hide me. You know, like it's, it's wild. How Let me came. Uber eats all my food. I'll sit at home. I'm a good person. I'll sit at home. It's exactly, man. And so, you know, I kind of have really risen to say, okay, man, well, again, you know, taking some kids out of these vulnerable spots and changing their destiny the ripple effect of that. And then how can I make a big change? Bro, it's like me and you and our group, you know, we got locked in 10 guys, man, that are not only going to affect our families, but our communities and, and everything we do, right? Well, let's then the ripple effect of that, you know, who you affect, who they affect. And so yeah, we need more strong men standing up and basically calling out the BS, man, and saying, yeah, this stuff is crap. I'm not going to spend all my time arguing about it. What I'm going to do is live an on fire life. I'm going to get in the word every single day and know that I the victory's already won. I just got to do my part, right? And if we get enough men standing up and leading, uh, I believe that's how we save our society. That's how we come combat all this, this nonsense, man. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself, man. And when I found you, it was about a year ago. But when I first found you, I started kind of watching. It was actually, I was following Zuby, and I had a chance to meet Zuby down at Oklahoma University <laughs> earlier this year. I think it was like April or something like that. And my wife and me met him afterwards. And my wife was like, we should invite him out for tacos or something. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. And I totally regret not, not doing that because he looked like he was bored with the people he was with. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, after I found you, which I think was a like a a, a, a subtweet of Zuby, and he's pretty, you know, he's overtly Christian. He talks about being a Christian oh, yeah. and in his music, especially my son knows a lot of you know lyrics to his music because it's all safe and great. Um, but when I started kind of watching you and then I ran into Zach Homel not long after, you know, neither one of you guys uh, are kind of overtly Christian or talk about Christ, at least when I first started watching you on on social media. And this is actually one of my questions. Uh, uh, I can't find it here, but it's basically the the thing I noticed was like, man, this guy, because I know enough, right? I'm a Christian. I know what's going on. And, I, and I'm watching you kind of live your life. And you are so authentic. That's, I think, what your Twitter offers people is authenticity people know there's no brand there right that there is a brand like tyler is a brand but there's no you know it's not sponsored by you know (laughs) sponsored by (laughs) pfizer or nike or anything else it's just straight up authentic and when i was watching your twitter i noticed i'm like man this guy is living out christianity 
on Twitter for hundreds of you know, thousands of people. And that is feeding people. There are, that is, that is what we need. And at the time when I found you, it was kind of a low point for me, the things I was going through, but it was like, I was drawn to that. And I was like, man, he's doing it right. So many people are drawn to that. And Zach Holmes, same thing. It's like a, I don't want to say subversive, you know, spreading of the gospel, but it it's bringing those messages of like, the family is important. The the man is important. Take responsibility for your physical health. Take responsibility for your mental and spiritual health. And then the rest of that stuff will follow. And what always cracked me up is that you guys are not asleep in any way because you'll post stuff like, hey, why is nobody on Repstein's flight log arrested? Kind of <laughs> weird, right? It's like 10,000 likes. And it's like, well, the, the guy's, he's, you know, he's saying the same. We believe the same stuff. It's just that he's living it out. And I'm just looking at it all the time. So, I, you know, it encouraged me to kind of want to live it out, man. So I appreciate you and what you're doing out there. And that was another thing I wanted to, to uh, kind of touch on. How do you think that you are and you and Zach and, and guys like you, there's a bunch of you now. I mean, I've kind of found all of you, but how do you think you guys are making a difference for the kingdom? I think we already know, but it's, I, I think it's huge. And I think you're reaching people who weren't ever going to be reached in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think so too, man. I think you're a, you're a big part of that too, Tim. It's cool to see you, you know, even going out, you talk about coaching your kids. I mean, just being able to be a strong man around kids like that in first and second grade, you have no idea, I think, the impact, you know. I mean, one of the reasons I got into fitness and health was one of my buddy's dads, you know, and, and my dad modeled it. And, you know, they they took us to the gym a lot. And they said, so, so for you to be there too, man, don't discount yourself in that, bro, because it's, you know, we got to be everywhere. And you're definitely in that, man, which is awesome to see. But uh, yeah, man, I think, you know, I have a saying where I say, you know, I want to speak about Christ every day uh, and I want to preach the gospel often, uh, but I want to talk about it pretty seldom, you know? So, so what I want and what my goal is, I ain't going to be that guy. Me and my wife were just on the Vegas strip last week, man. And every time I go, there's a guy with a bullhorn and a big sign and it says, you're going to hell. And he lit he literally sits there and tells people as they walk by, all the reasons they're going to hell. Oh, you're right. drinking. You're you shouldn't dress like that. And I always just want to tell them, like, bro, has one? I've been seeing you do this for two years. Has one person ever just stopped and said, "I'm going to change my ways"? I would be very shocked. You know, I think you need to meet people where they are. Yeah. And I think when I really started studying Jesus, man, you know, he started his ministry, the woman at the well. Like at, at that at that time in society, she would have been the worst of the worst, man. She had she had been divorced like five, six times, I think, yeah. cheating on men. Like she, people could not make eye contact with her at that time in society, or they were deemed like unclean. They had to leave. Like she was the outcast of the outcast. And he started his ministry with her. He met her where she was. And I think, man, it, you know, that's to me. I just think that's going to be my mission always, right? I'm not going to excuse terrible behaviors. I'm not going to, I call myself out. You talk about being authentic on Twitter. I'm in nowhere a perfect guy, right? I'll say something dumb to my wife probably by the end of the day that I wish I could take back or whatever that is, right? But I think to just live in a certain way uh, and meet people where they are, man, has, uh, bro, I've prayed with thousand people now, probably, you know, uh, that I've met through Twitter and, I've had so many people just come and say like, yeah, I didn't feel like I could go to church, right? I, I really didn't because I don't feel welcome there. But I do feel like I can kind of follow along your journey and I, and I gain some little, you know, I'm pretty strategic about, you know, I don't I don't preach about it all the time, but I do try and slide it in there a lot, right? Uh, this is the guiding principle in my life. And so that it's given me a lot of opportunities that I think talk to a lot of people about Jesus that 
wouldn't have been open to that had I just started with, well, bro, you can't come to my table unless you give up X, Y, Z, right? I mean, when Jesus saved me, man, I was out for a run in Vegas around midnight. I was doing drugs. I was drinking constantly. I was chasing women. I was, you know, and when I gave my life to Jesus, I wasn't perfect, man. I mean, there was no doubt. I had all these things that I needed to work on and I continue to have things that I need to work on. So for me to ever sit there and say, like in any kind of judgment, I, just, I don't understand how Christians do that, man. I, I really don't. And I think church is just full of sinners, man. What what we need to be doing is going to these people who feel like they don't have a, a home or a place or anything and just inviting them, man, and just telling them, this is why I have some peace. This is why I have some joy. Again, there's crazy stuff going on, man. They're, they literally, I mean, you joke about the Epstein thing. It's just a fact. They murdered the guy in prison because he knows about these powerful people, right? Like. Yeah. There's crazy stuff going on all around. And I think for you to have any kind of peace in this world, if I'm looking out as a, in a landscape and even as a dad, right? Like saying, what's it going to be like in 20 years, man? That's terrifying. If I let my mind go where I think it's going to go, pretty scary, right? So how do yeah. you remain optimistic? Something bigger than you, man. It has yeah. to be, right? And so I think when we can convey that to other people, that's really powerful too. Absolutely. That's yeah. And full ownership. That was one of the things we focused on on our podcast at, or in our podcast, in our men's group. And <laughs> that uh, it's, you know, just taking ownership for every aspect of your life, good, bad and ugly, and trying to move forward from that. Um, one thing that I, I never really thought of in, you know, you and Zach Homel and, and others are proving it um, in Zuby even. How does physical so we talked about it. the first thing I listed was dad bod, right? There's dad bod, <laughs> pornography, all these other things. And there's some real bad stuff on there that it's kind of stereotypical. It's okay if men do that because that's normal. But the first one is the dad bod and just being out of shape. You probably know more than anybody in the world the answer to this question. But how does physical fitness, how is it the gateway drug to self improve? Like, how does that work? Because I didn't, you know, when I started looking at you, I'm like, ah. I should maybe take an ice bath or go for a walk. Like I should, I got to do something because I'm not, he's right. I'm not challenging myself physically. And I think, I, I think part of it, and I'll let you answer the question I asked is part of it is just men need challenges. Men need something to push them further. I know that when I run far, it helps me get into a place in my head where I'm like, oh yeah, I, I'm good at overcoming things mentally and I can figure out how to do things. And this is who I am. But you have led thousands of men on this journey through, and you start with physical fitness. How do you find that physical fitness is the key to kind of get, bringing people to Jesus in a lot of ways? I Man, it is crazy. But I mean, number one, I think Jesus was strong, bro. You know, this dude fasted. <laughs> he was walking 20 miles a day. He's a carpenter. I bet, he, I bet he's pretty jacked, to be honest. But, there you go. There you, go. you know, I think that I have this thing, and this might trigger some people, but I say, you know, and I'll call myself out. Uh, before I was 34 and a half for that that five, six years, man, the hardest thing I did every day was decide which show to watch at night and what Uber Eats to order at night. That was the hardest thing I did every day, man. I never had any kind of... And so then when the littlest challenge would hit me, a bad, a negative customer, right? Yelling at me or a boss saying something mean to me, dude, it would break me because I had no... I had no I wasn't putting myself through any kind of challenges, right? And I think you see this nowadays with like safe spaces and like you'll see these, bro, you get these 20, I had a 24 year old employee's dad to call me because I asked their kid to clean something at the bank, like to, to just wipe up the break room. And they're like, that's not my job title. 
And I was like, dude, like you're an employee, you're getting paid. Like, just go wipe it up, right? Like, I wipe the thing and just go do it, right? Their dad called me, like, because they they they've never done anything hard. And so, to me, as a guy and as a leader, man, you know, for however long humans have been around, it's only the last like hundred or so years that we're this comfortable that we don't have to wake up every day and go hunt for food or being afraid of like a warring tribe coming over, right? Like you. For all of human history, men had to do this. And now all of a sudden, we just sit around. Uh, you know, our modern day battles are arguing with people online, right? But there's nothing physically, <laughs> like there's nothing physical. And as you see this increase in, in, again, I think this is conspiratorial, but it's all it's all designed, man. The system's sure. working the way it should. We got a lot of people on anxiety meds, on depression meds. I was one of those guys before this. Yeah. I was on anxiety meds for a year, man, because dude, I just, I'm an anxious person. I'm a bro. I never got outside. I never lifted weights. I ate like every day, you know, <laughs> like, of course I consume news constantly. Of course I'm an anxious mess. And so when you start to reprogram your brain to say, I got to push myself, either life is going to bring me these challenges or I can bring them in myself and harden myself, you know? So why do you get up every day and work, work out, man? Why do you lift weights? Why do you go for long runs? Why do you do sprints until you feel like you're going to puke and then you do one more, you know? <laughs> Why do you do those things? It's because, man, then when life hits, you've already hardened yourself. You know, you, you've you already put yourself through that fire, right? I had a thing where I did 100,000 steps, 53 miles in a day. I woke up at 1 a.m. and just and still did all my dad duties that day and still did all that, right? Like, why do you do that stuff? It's it's so that when life hits you in another way, you wake up to negative comments on social, whatever it is every day, you're able to take those, man. And so for any guy out there that's listening to this, man, you need to start physically. This doesn't, you don't need to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm certainly not. But dude, every day you need to get up and create a lifestyle around movement. Uh, we're almost at 50% obesity now for adults in the US. And again, I think that's by design. The, the average person takes four to six pills a day now, the average adult. That's just insane. And, and you know, I'm not a good customer for them anymore. I got myself off the anxiety meds, you know, but had I not, bro, at this point, I might be on a depression med and I might be on other, you know, how many other things do you keep going? And I think this is by design, right? And so if you want to free yourself and kind of talk about the matrix, right? Yeah. Got to start with physical fitness, man. You got to get yourself into shape and you don't need to run Ironmans. You don't need it, but what you do need to do is have a level of respect for yourself. And again, if I go back to everything is faith, right? And so God loaned me this earth suit. It's not mine. It is not. <laughs> he gave me this body on loan. And so if I really want to honor him, I need to take care of that. I need to give a crap about the stuff that I put into my body daily. I need to get out and get movement and keep it healthy because I only get one while I'm here. And so I would like to see more churches talk about this. I'd like to see more, you know, this become kind of a more mainstream thing. Every time I go to a church party, they got donuts and cake, man. And it's just like, <laughs> what are we doing? You know, like, why don't, why don't we take a little more pride in our appearance? And, and, and again, our kids are always looking at us, right? And so if we want to lead our families, it starts with leading ourselves. And so to me, man, that should be a non-negotiable thing that if you are a Christ follower, Dude, you prioritize your lifestyle to get daily walks, to hit the gym a couple times a week, man. I Again, I ain't saying you need to spend two hours a day there. I don't, man. I, I go four or five times a week for sometimes 50 minutes. You know, it, it's not not crazy stuff. And I get walks every day and, and get movement. And 
I think we need to start there, man. And it really is the gateway drug because once you start to see your body change and what happens even more is your mind changes, right? And you want to push yourself in these other areas. You want to grow, you know, you want to sharpen these other areas. And so anybody out there, man, you know, I get it. I was a, a high school athlete. Then I got the office job, the house, the comfortable, all this stuff that that's what society tells you you're done. Right. And I have dads push back at this every day online too, that, well, I'm too busy being a dad and a husband and that you are not too busy, man. You might need to go to bed an hour earlier so you can wake up an hour earlier and, and get that in. But I promise you, I, I've worked with guys who are way busier than some guys will ever be. And they can find 30 minutes a day. They can find 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. You can prioritize your health uh, because, man, again, nothing else is really, really, if you don't have your health, you don't really have anything, you know? Yeah. And that is one of the things that, you know, they, everything kind of doubled down in 2020 and at the heart of it was everybody's health. You know, they got everybody so scared and depending on, you know, pharmaceutical companies to give them this secret medicine or whatever, but it's like, you know, muscle mass, uh, you know, staying hydrated, those sort of things keep your immunity high. Yeah. And that, and that if we're, we're getting attacked with viruses or whatever in the heck's going on now, this, it, it, it just makes sense. That is the next step. Hey, bro, I'm so optimistic. And I'll be honest, right when COVID hit, I actually remember telling my wife, this is going to be amazing. Like our whole country, our whole society is going to have a shift towards health. Like I was working in corporate when it first hit. <laughs> and I remember saying, hey, guys, instead of being in masks, sitting alone all day, let's make it mandatory to get vitamin D and do an hour walk every day in the sun. Right. We live in Vegas. We're, we're blessed with sun every day. Uh, well, that that idea was very quickly. They didn't. They didn't want that. They don't want you in the sun. They don't want you at the gym. They closed down the gyms. That wasn't. That yes, wasn't the man. deal. But we got. Yeah, so I was. I was a little bit taken back. But I think you saw two camps, right? You saw one. One of the person who just kind of listened to all the messaging, got you know, get sat inside, got their free donuts for getting the shot, all, all this stuff, right? The way they incentivizes you to not. And then you saw other people say, "I'm going to take control of my health," right? Yes. And I, I've never seen it as more important and. Maybe you're listening to this today and you didn't make the, that correct change, but guess what? Today is a new day <laughs> and you can start by just going out for a little walk today, man, and just starting to move. And I promise you, I'm yet to talk to a human being that has started to prioritize their health, lost a little weight, started to feel better and regretted it. So there, there's no downside to this, right? Except you got to put some effort in. And so I just encourage anybody out there today, man, to put a little effort into this. Absolutely. Two, one more, a couple more things that you focus on that have really, really helped me. And one of them you just kind of touched on, which is you wake up every day and you're excited about the day. And I know that sometimes you're not, yeah. but you still try to get excited about the day. And then you write out things that you're grateful for and try mm -hmm. to kind of hack your mind to be more grateful. You sent that awesome uh, uh, sermon the other day from Craig Groeschel down here at Life Church, <laughs> And he's just talking about the same thing as just staying, staying grateful. Um, in a country that has so much, and I think you you have some kind of uh, perspective because you got these uh, foster kids who had so little, but it, it does strike me, even though, and it's hard to get out of that mindset, right? Even though I know, and I've been around the world, I was in the Navy, right? And so I've been <clears throat> half a dozen countries and I've, I've seen poor, like real, real poor. And I've seen real, real rich in, in Dubai and things like this. But what we have here in America is so plentiful and bountiful. It's almost it's almost embarrassing how much we have. And there's no gratitude. 
no gratitude. There's no gratitude in the culture. There's no focus on gratitude anywhere. And it's not even in the church that much. Thanks that I have a house. Yeah. And please help me to get this new promotion or whatever, you know, and I'm not discounting the, you know, prayer or whatever, but it, you talk about focusing on little things. I know that uh, you just, you know, have been building up a savings account. Don't like buying things, trying to just focus on being grateful for what you have and what's in front of you and living each day like it's a new day. And you even have a t-shirt that talks about, you know, every day is a choice. Happiness is a choice. You, you, I'll let you share, but how can people implement that in their lives and how much has that aspect or those two aspects kind of changed your life? Bro. So yeah, when I was, I think today was 1,679 days in a row <laughs> that I have woken up. It started that first day after I cried that night where I woke up and I said, I'm going to write a few things I'm grateful for. And I'm going to spend about 30 seconds just thanking God for those things and the gift of a new day. It's not promised, right? That, however many people would give anything, man, that are laying in a hospital bed or whatever for the opportunities I'm going to have today to just be sitting here chatting with a guy I love to get to take my kids to the park, all the little things, right, that we take for granted. And something just happened a few months into that, man, where it just I started actively looking for blessings. And I always say, your mind is is similar to your body, right? If we go to the gym for a week, eh, we don't really have muscles, right? But if we go for a year, whoo, you know, you'll start to see a lot of that compounding effect that works and that momentum that that carries you. And so I really, man, after doing this for four years now, every single day without missing a day, I've truly reprogrammed my brain to just see the good. And it doesn't, again, mean that I don't see the negative things. It just means that I focus on the good things. And I always say, you know, man, both sets of realities are going to be true. Uh, I'm stuck in traffic. I'm going to be late to get home. It's not moving. This sucks. That's true, right? Dude, I have a car. That's a blessing, man. I got I can throw on an awesome podcast or Jesus music or hands-free call my mom and chat with her. I can and what a blessing, right? I got an extra 10 minutes now. Great. What a blessing. I can use that. Both of those are going to be true. Wherever you choose to put your focus, that's going to be your reality. And so I just kind of brainwash myself every day, man. I joke that I'm like a dog. I just wake up happy. And see what you chase for the day, man. <laughs> you, remind me, <laughs> you remind me of a golden retriever that's just happy. Like, hey, what's going on? I'm happy to be here. Let's do this. Yeah, man. But I, I really do think it comes back to a choice, right? And it's, you know, I have a rule in my own life and in our family where if you do complain, because we're human beings, right? We're going to see things. Follow it with gratitude. Ah, the dishes are piling up. That I, I got to do them. Ah, I'm so grateful we have dishes and an abundance of food, you know? Ah, man, I feel an anxiety today. The kids are just, they're screaming, they're going nuts. Ah, But I feel so blessed I get to be their dad, man, and have some special moments with them today. And you can just start to reprogram your brain. And Craig Rochelle has a great saying, man, you can't be grateful and grumpy at the same time. You can't, it's impossible. And so that's what I always go back to, man, is if I can just exude gratitude, uh, it's kind of a cheat code to life, man. Just living a really great life because nothing can kind of, yeah, bad stuff is going to happen. But if, again, if you focus on the blessings, it's it's how you see people wake up with terminal cancer and choose to be happy. And then you see the billionaire that chooses to be miserable, you know, because he's comparing himself to the other guy who has the bigger yacht, you know, like it's, it's wild to me that some people can have so much. And you kind of alluded to it, man, where in our country, bro, everybody listening to this is beyond blessed. You have internet, you have the, I'm sure you have means, right? I'm sure you have problems too. <laughs> But you you are so much more blessed. And if you will just take a moment right now to focus on those blessings, 
I've had days where I feel super stressed and I'll write a hundred things I'm grateful for a hundred. Like I'll just sit there and take 20 minutes and just say, thank you, God, for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for dude. By the end of that, there is no way I can feel anxious and stressed. It's 0%. And so we have that ability in us anytime to kind of shift our lens and say, man, I'm going to see the world with a lens of gratitude. Again, I don't ignore that there's problems. I don't ignore that. You know, some people give me a hard time. Oh, you live up in the clouds, this or that, right? And you know what, man? If you're so smart, why aren't you happy? Why aren't yeah. you grateful, right? Like we can make a choice to do that. So why would you not choose that? It sounds it sounds easy and it even sounds cheesy in some ways. But, you know, we started this five minutes before this, this conversation started. Hey, how are you doing this morning, Tim? Well, I just coached a basketball game and we lost. <laughs> and I got another one at four o'clock. And it's uh, it's tough because they're kindergartners and they're playing against first graders and they're always losing. What did you say? You said, oh, man, but hey, that's a good experience. You can teach the kids about losing because I went through high school and I didn't lose any games. And that was hard for me. And so, I mean, I, all I can say that the reason I, bring, the reason I bring that up is just because you do live it like it's it's not a joke. It's not it's not just a cliche. You don't just say it. You do live it. You do give that 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 lens. And I'm, I'm trying to develop it, man. I write three every morning. I'm, I'm not. 1700 days in a row. I, I, you know, I'm probably, you about- will be. that's, that's the cool thing to me, man, is like, you will be right. And you know, me and my wife, at one point we had three one-year-olds. And oh, so like dude. the odds of dude. them ever <laughs> sleeping through the night was like pretty much zero. So we had like a six month stretch where we just didn't sleep. And we had diarrhea. We had one time where all of the family had <laughs> diarrhea, bro. We had poop on our walls. We had all that, you know, and, and it, so it is challenging at those moments to say, man, like, dude, this sucks. I just want to go sleep, you know, like, but again, I think if you pause for a moment and you just say, it's still a gift, man. You know, like, again, there's still somebody who can't have kids and would give anything to be a dad or a mom or, you know, and I I, I don't discount how, how hard it is being a dad, especially in today's world, man. I mean, we're, bro, when we were hopping on here, you heard my son's beating on the door, screaming, right? Like, because when dad leaves and I know it's going to be harder on my wife and I know there's challenges that you face every day. But again, I've never found one person that has bettered those challenges from being negative about them or complaining about them. But I know a lot of people, man, myself included, who have made their lives better by just continuing to focus on the good parts and and, and set your set your vision on those things, man. My wife and I talk about that often. We know we don't know of a lot of people our age who love to deal with all the in 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 day to day stuff. But we know a lot of 50, 60, 70, 80 year old you know people who tell us. This is the greatest time of your life. Enjoy every minute of it. And my daughter was banging on this door right before I called you, man. She's, she's, hey, where's dad? Oh, door's locked. I'm banging on this door. Oh, my door. My <laughs> wife's like trying to hurt her away. But yeah, I don't, that, I actually said that in the, one of our last men's groups, but the, uh, I refuse to live a life that is less than what God intended for me. And I think looking back, I, I don't want to be that 70 year old person who looks back and was like, you know, who basically, you know, hit the snooze button on my life, hit the snooze button on raising kids right and hit the snooze button and, you know, watched, you know, football or porn or whatever and was of the world and missed out on raising these kids because this is the only chance I have for this. And, you know, one of the things that I think you're really, really good at is you lead when people, I think, you know, people are watching you, but I don't think they know, you know, how many and how much, like when I first reached out to you, you had no idea who I even was. 
but you had already, I had already corrected, like I'd read, read like four books based off of you. I was already working out almost every day based off of you. And that's a small example and not to just toot your horn, but just to say like in everybody's life, there are people who are watching who you never even talk to. You never even know. Right. And the best example of that is your kids. Of course, they you know that they're watching, but they watch everything. They see everything. Good and the bad, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, so true. So true. The good and the bad. So um, anyway, I was, what was there was another thing I was going to say. I can't think of it. Um, shoot, I'll check check my notes real quick. I know we're going to wrap up here in a second. Oh, th- this is what it is. And I, I kind of want to wrap on this. When I first found you, you had a tweet similar to if your social media is all negative, it's all your fault. That's right. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because now you are responsible for me having a Twitter timeline, which is like 80% like people being awesome dads, <laughs> lifting weights, hanging out, running marathons, and then like 20% like I can't believe Epstein killed himself <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do think, man, that was a real realization for me when I found like Zuby and Zach Hamill and a lot of these guys that it was totally my fault. And it goes back to this extreme ownership. That was a big book I read early from Jocko. Uh, you know, right. everything is your fault, man. And, and that can sound sucky at times, but it's also a gift, man, because if everything's your fault, you're also the solution to everything. And so whenever anybody tells me, Oh yeah, man. Like I just feel drained every time I get off Twitter or Facebook or whatever this is. I always tell them, well, that's your fault because you pick the people you choose. The algorithm is just learning you. You know, Joe Rogan had a famous thing one time where every day, 30 days in a row, he searched for crocodiles and he just like, that's all he did on his, on his feeds. And at the end of the 30 days, all he had was crocodile videos, man. And people talking about, so it's, if if you're constantly going to the negative, they're going to give you more negative. And so what you can do is go through your social media feed and maybe social media is not for you. That's great too, man. They'll, they'll come a day in my life, bro, where I don't, I don't have, I I don't have anything, right? I feel like God's calling me right now to do what I'm doing, but I think there will come a day where hopefully, man, I just, I just get to live my life, right? And not really even, even put much out there, even tune into social media much, but for the time being, I'm going to be on it. And so it's very important for me to have a positive feed. And when I scroll that feed for that stuff to give me life, man, I got, you know, it's it's all about your inputs. It goes back to Proverbs, as a man thinketh, so is he. What's coming into your mind, that's going to be what we, the fruit that comes out. And so, you know, I'm real big. I'll challenge Christians, man. You know, hey, you say you love God, but you give them an hour a week on Sunday. And then you watch 25 hours a week of Netflix and secular shows. Why not swap a couple of those with a couple extra sermons, right? Uh, you know, you, we, we say we love God and I'm calling myself out here too, man. Because again, I, I've, I've all these things, right? I'm, I just think we need to be more intentional with, with what we put into our minds. And social media is a big part of that. If you're logging on every day to see politicians and celebrities and these negative people arguing back and forth, that is your fault. And what you can do about that is unfollow all that stuff, follow really positive people that are just out there wanting to help and wanting to teach and wanting to make your life better. And then, you know, within 30 days, you'll see that huge switch, man. If you keep telling your algorithm, I don't want this, I do want this, it will change your life, man. If you're logging on every day and you're reading positive stuff that's building you up, or you're logging on every day and you feel drained, I mean, it's just... the quality of your life is going to be so much better. So I don't know why all people don't do this, but I didn't do it for 34 years either. So I, you know, it's, I think it's just kind of normal that we, as a society, we wake up and we yell at people and we argue online and we tell people they're stupid or this or that. And, 
it's just so fruitless and pointless. But again, you can use social media. It's a tool for good if you use it for good to be able to broadcast positivity and speak truth and find like-minded people and join in communities like that. And and to me, that's how we're going to change the world, man. It's uh, by being very intentional about who we all connect with. And I mean, bro, now it's the reason I'm so optimistic is because I only connect with all these positive people all over the world that are just changing people's lives, changing their families' lives. Every day I wake up to messages like this, you know? So uh, you got to be careful with what you put into your mind and you can take control of that today. Anybody Absolutely. can. It's 100% within your power. It's like, and you're a good example of that because look what you have today. Now you wake up and your your text messages and your phone is just full of people saying how they're attacking their day and doing awesome. Bro, look at just our group. And that's one of five that I, you know, I run or whatever. It's like, dude, it's every day that I hit a PR. Me and my wife are locked in, taking the kid on a daddy-daughter date. Like uh, every day we're all doing these things. And what's that want to make you do? Well, you don't want to be the, you're not going to be the one guy in the group that's like, Today sucks. I'm stuck in traffic when everybody else is telling you all what they're doing. So you want to do it too, right? Like it's, we tell our kids this man all the time. I mean, I, I've grown into the cliche dad, right? Like I never thought I'd tell my kid, you are who you hang around with. You hang out with those 10 (laughs) kids that smoke, you're going to end up smoking. You know, every parent says it, but it's true. And as adults, it's the same thing. If I hang around 10 guys that complain about their wives all day, drink beer and argue about politics, I'm probably going to be the 11th. If I hang around 10 guys like you who want to get better physically, mentally, spiritually, talk about how we can grow, I'm going to want to do the same. And so you have to go seek that out. But it's also never been easier with social media and with the power of online communities and all these things. So anybody can do that. And then one last thing. This is it. And then I will wrap for sure. But <laughs> I have one, one last thing I just thought of. And that was, and I've been doing some reading, a couple books. And one of them I came across talked about the loss of the of not an american but just the male group the loss of the male group the tribe the warriors who would go to fight battle and talk to each other and they talked in this book they talked about men not only need that it would make their marriage better if they weren't dumping all of their emotion on their wife they were dumping it on other men who were who will literally just sit there and just like literally take it like not like they'll care like care more almost more than your wife will but objectively and take it in and then be able to give good feedback, which is what we as men need. And that's why I think your men's groups are so important. And is there a, is there a biblical example of this? Oh yeah. Jesus started out. He found 12 (laughs) dudes and all he did was help them better their lives. They're just fishermen, carpenters, a couple other people, but all they did was they shared their lives together, relied on each other emotionally and that is something that we don't have in America. Not only is the male dumbed down and propagandized and everything else that we talked about, but there is no male on male friends. If there isn't beer or you know fantasy football involved, we don't hang out. We don't talk. And right, I think that might be the secret sauce in your uh, formula that really kind of keeps everything going, keeps you going, because these groups are all now feeding back into you, giving you life red to, to keep going. Man, yeah, 100%, man. And, I, and again, I go back to, I think that's by design. You know, when they come and attack you and give you these messages about this or that, you're alone as a guy, you're alone, right? And so it's we're all stronger together, man. And like, you know, there's a reason a lot of us got better through COVID. It's because we all had each other, man, you know? <laughs> like, But if I'm alone yeah. and a lot of this scary stuff hits, yeah, man, I'm much easier to control, right? Which is really what this comes down to. <laughs> at the Absolutely, end, right? yeah. There's a lot of dark yeah. forces and the enemy wants to be able to scare you and control you and, and control your mind and live in there, right? But 
when we're in community and when we're in fellowship and we're praying together, we're growing together, that's not as possible, right? And the enemy hates that, man. And so that's why he goes to the links that he goes at to attack the certain people that he does, you know? And so if you feel like you're being attacked now, I always reframe that and say, good, in a Jocko voice, good. That means you're valuable. That means the enemy fears you, man. That means that he needs to hold you down because you have a big mission. You have a big a big calling on your life. And so you find yourself stuck today, man, or you're hearing this. I just urge you to, to say one prayer. Come right out of that, man. That victory is alive in you the second you declare it. And, and you can be a new creation today, man. And so that, that's always going to be my, my main message and takeaway, right? Today can be your day. That's a perfect way to wrap it. And why not use one thing COVID showed us is we all have this technology. We can do a Zoom meeting. We can do a Skype meeting. We can text. We can have be on a Telegram group. Why not use the technology to meet as men, to grow each other as men, and to be leaders of our family? The only thing stronger than the government, the only real threat to the government is a strong nuclear family led by a good dad. Amen. Amen, brother. This is an honor to be on here, Tim. I love you, man. <laughs> love you. Love you too, bro. Thank you so much for coming on. It's a different kind of speed for our show, but I think uh, people kind of understand more where I'm coming from with the stuff I'm bringing. And uh, hopefully we can just get more stuff going, you know, in our, in our listening group. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll even start a men's group. We'll see. Let's do it, baby. Lock in. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Love you. Always bro. a pleasure. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com, and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say- Wait, wait, wait.